you have depression, you have consternation of spirit because of some issue, know this, He's there. And He'll be there for you. No matter what trouble or struggle you're going through, He's got enough, big enough, strong enough to take care of you. Look at John 21. After these things, Jesus showed Himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And on this wise showed He Himself. Or, like what I'm about to tell you, is the information that goes along with Him showing up. This is His third appearance after He was resurrected. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didius and Nathaniel of Canaan and Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two other of his disciples. I don't know who they were. He did not name them. I don't know why he didn't. They probably copped an attitude about it, but hey, who are we to say why, when, and where? Simon Peter, verse 3, saith unto them, I go a-fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. I want you to underscore that night. And that night, the night when they were fishing without him, the night that they had planned an excursion without him, that night when they had, when they had gone fishing without permission, or without blessing, or without sanction. There's no mention of Jesus in any of this. And that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, <laughs> I'm glad to tell you it might be dark tonight on your little fishing trip, but morning is coming. There'll be another hour. Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. I want to take off from right there and launch from that platform and preach on this subject. That was night. This is morning. That was night. Verse number 3. But this, verse 4, is morning. Father, in Jesus' name, would you take this simple thought and the thoughts that I have in my heart, I pray you would arrest them under the holy anointing of heaven. And I pray this morning as I speak to these folks that God would talk to them. I don't have anything to give these people that's going to be dramatic brand new, never heard, or something that's going to be revolutionary. I think, though, there is a word from God and God's word that can help us. And I pray, though, the preacher needs as much help as the parishioner. And I pray the parishioner who needs as much help as the preacher would pray for each other and the power of God would fall in this place and help us. In Jesus' name we pray, and for His sake, amen. You can have a seat. Have you ever found yourself in the midnight hour of crisis wondering whether or not the morning would ever break? 
Have you found yourself hobbled by your own crippled intentions? In the midnight hour, wonder, will my day ever break? All across this auditorium this morning, there are people who are living in their night. There's cancerous night. There's leukemia night. Yesterday, my boy that lives in Raleigh called, was on his way on I-85 to Jim and Phoebe Simon's house where Phoebe found out just this past week that she had uh, colon cancer, 38 years old. It's also in her lymph nodes. Uh, 38 with two little boys and a husband. Richard said, here, talk to Jim, Daddy. Jim came on the phone in the midnight hour. He said, I don't know what we'll do, but I know this. The God you preach to me as a teenager is still good in my adult life. I'm in the midnight hour preacher, but I have a preacher in my midnight hour. There are those, one family is planning a funeral service. They're having their viewing for the mother on Tuesday, bury the mother on Wednesday. I just was in communique with those folks before church service this morning. We had one in the hospital for one thing this week and found out that another situation has developed that could very easily be the death nail to this person's 51 years. Many of us came this morning and didn't have change to put in the offering and we thought we had a problem. Some of us came this morning and our hair just doesn't look as vibrant as it did last week. We think somehow we got a drastic upsetting condition while others are buying black clothing, and while others are trying to find out when the next beds open at St. Joseph. The midnight hour. We live in the midnight crises of life. Some of you are in relationship, and I certainly don't mean to make light over anybody's trauma. If you're in a relationship that is that has tremors right now, and it's volatile and difficult. And you're praying for somebody to straighten up in that marriage, and you're praying for a child to come back to God. I want to tell you that is midnight hour material. But I also come to tell you verse 4 is in my Bible. It says, but when the morning was come, there you'll find Jesus cooking on the bank. Oh, you may not know who he is, but when you smell the fish, you will reminisce of what he does. You look in this portion of Scripture, verses 1 through 4, and you'll find in their involvement. He said, I go fishing. You'll find influence. We go with you. You'll also find investment. They had caught nothing. <laughs> Involvement 
I'm going fishing. And little did he know, he was fishing in a midnight set of circumstances that were empty of God. And then there was influence because those others around him said, well, we'll just tag along with you. We don't have nothing else to do. So he drags people in with him, and here they go on a fishing trip without the Lord. You know, most of them they went on, they had either his presence or his promise. On this one, they don't think they have either one, for in the midnight hour they had toiled and caught nothing. And I want you to see every one of us, and I'm going to give you this and break this off simple and quick. Every one of us can see the morning come. Tonight there's a midnight hour in this section. This morning there's a midnight hour in that section. There's a midnight crisis up here. Over here somebody is seated, but it's all you can do to stay seated with your heart pounding and gyrating with the trouble and the difficulty that even me mentioning this brings back to your heart. I want to tell you something. I came this morning not a preacher of doom and gloom. I've said all I'm going to say negative. I come to tell you though the midnight seems to be talking to you, though the midnight hour seems to be ticking toward the twelve, and though the midnight hour looks like it's coming sooner than, than, than thought, I'm glad to know, praise God, the morning's breaking. I'm glad the sun's coming up. I'm glad where trouble and heartache is, there's going to be a sun, S-U-N, in the, in the clouds, and the sun, S-O-N, on the bank of life, frying fish and baking bread just so you can eat in the midnight hour. Give God praise and glory, for the morning will come. Every one of us can do it by understanding three concepts. Three concepts in this story. I want you to see, first of all, the concept of inventory. Now, we all can see our morning come. We can all see our midnight subside. We can all see the darkness fade. And we can see the sun furious. And we can see some great things happen if we'll just understand three concepts. And that's the concept, the inventory that we take. The inventory that we take. Jesus speaks to this crowd and says something to them. He says, have you any meat? They had to take inventory. They had to come to the truth. Some of you are in here this morning with troubles that a lost condition brought to you. Living without Jesus is automatic trouble. Can I get a witness? Living without Christ brings automatic confusion. I don't care if you're Catholic. I don't care if you're Baptist. I don't care if you're Methodist. I don't care if you're Pentecostal. I don't care if you're brethren. I don't care if you're Mormon. I don't care what label or tag flies in the breeze from the lapel of your life. Do you know who Jesus is? Have you received Christ into your life by faith? No wonder you don't have any means. No wonder you're struggling. 
No wonder you're trying to figure it all yourself. You're fishing alone. You're fishing without hope. You're out there struggling in the church service. You're out there in the boat, but your life is drowning. I'm talking to somebody. I got somebody in my sights this morning. God knows what we need is not more religion. What we need is not more attendance. What we need is not more offering. What we need is not more bragging and boasting about our Sunday school affiliation. What we need is a head-on collision with the Holy Ghost where He shows us who Jesus is. Am I preaching it right? If I'm not, I'll sit down and let somebody else do it. But I'm glad to know there's the concept of inventory. I like this. Even when we go fishing to escape and run, we are still His children. I want you to look at verse number... Oh, let's see. Where is that verse that says, Children, do you have any meat? Look at verse 5. Then Jesus said unto them, Children, (laughs) have you any meat? They didn't know who it was standing on the seashore challenging them. But Jesus called them children. Now, there's one or two connotations you could bring to bear there if you didn't study it out and define it. He could call them children because they were immature out there fishing without permission, out there fishing without hope. Or he could be calling them children by acquaintance and by relativity and by kinship. And if you study that word out, you'll find out he said children. He was talking to them as children of his. Even this morning, if you're fishing without Jesus, he loves you. Even this morning, if you're out there wasting your time and rattling around in a vacuum trying to find some explanation to all of the, uh, 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 of the difficulties, if you, uh, and you're fishing for nothing and with nothing, Jesus still loves you and says, Child, if you'll come to me. Child, if you'll walk to me. Child, if you'll come closer. I'll help you and save you. Aren't you glad this morning when you go on your own expeditions, you're still children of God. You can come to Him this morning and He can fix your trouble. Oh, even when we don't know Him, we're His children. Notice what it says. He called to them, Children, do you have any meat? And they didn't know who He was. It looks to me like if you say a sentence with that many words in it, they ought to pick up on who it was if they were close to Him. But it could have been foggy. It could have been dense. It could have been a a difficulty of uh, the atmosphere or whatever. I do not know. But He said, Children, if, if somebody, if Steve said that outside this building... He said, children, do you have any meat? I'd say, I wonder who Steve's talking to. Because I've been around him and meet with him. Enough to know his voice. And I'm glad and thankful and grateful that we can know who he is. But when we don't know who he is, he still calls for us. <laughs> Thank God. Even when we are short-tempered and mad with his children. Notice what it says. Children, have you any meat? 
Oh, F.B. Meyer said it was written and with, with explanation, said with intensity this way. No. What does the verse say? Look what it says. They answered him, no. If you've been fishing all night, how many of you have fished any in your life? Any, any, there's fishermen in here. If you fish all night on Clark's Hill, and you've eaten enough bang of sausages and saltine crackers to cuss everything that looks like a weenie, you've had sardines with mustard. Anybody eat a sardine dipped in mustard can't go to heaven. They got heads on them. They're looking at you, begging you to leave them in the can. And those little salmon they sell at Pollard's Corner made Pollard's Corner fall off into the abyss. Those little salmons with the heads on them, you hold them up by the tail, dip them in mustard. Who does that? Not even you would do that. And you'll eat carpet with tomato sauce. If you've been out all night in a boat and a lantern and pumping them stupid lanterns and, and paddling that stupid boat back there where the bugs are and you're trying to catch a fish and they're jumping up eating the bugs around the lamp won't jump on your hook. And you stop that morning and, and your wife comes out, did y'all catch anything? No! Even... When your temper is short, and even when you're fishless and you don't care, God still calls you children. Even when you sin, even in the dark shadows of a private life, even in those areas of your life nobody else is ever exposed to, those areas where only you and your soul and God know exist, those things that you hide from everybody close to you, God still knows it and calls you children. Number one, if your morning's ever going to come through your night, you're going to have to take inventory and you're going to have to own up. You ain't got one fish in your catch. You're lost without hope. I, I, you say, Brother Brown, I came this morning thinking about joining the church. You will not get one inch off the ground in the rapture if you're a church member without blood on you. Brother Brown, I've been thinking about getting baptized. I promise you this, when the rapture takes place, you'll be left with wet head. You'll be left with wet towel. You'll be left with wet imagination and, and reputation. You'll be left behind. You've got to have more than water on you in order to meet God right. You've got to have blood on your behalf. Somebody give the Lord praise. Let me ask you something. Will you take that inventory? Will you take that inventory and ask yourself this morning, what am I eating? Oh, I'm hiding in the crowd pretty well, but what if the crowd's removed and I'm exposed? What if Jesus comes? And the crowd's taken. Would I still be here at six in my religious affiliation instead of my relationship of salvation? Number two, there's another concept. Not only the concept of inventory, but secondly, there is the concept of instruction. Your midnight can turn 
to sunlight. If you'll take inventory, somebody in that top crowd is listening with intent, and I want to make sure that I don't leave that point unexplained. What I'm trying to tell you, life is empty without Jesus. Life is hopeless without Jesus. Life is without uh, livability without Jesus. Life is crucial without Jesus. Life is happiness without Jesus. Life is hopeless without Jesus. Life without Christ is life without life and without living. Somebody give God praise right there if you believe that. Christ is the answer to our need. I'm so glad to know Him as my Savior. I'm glad I'm not on a fishing expedition with no hope to catch anything. I'm glad I've been caught and taught by the Holy Spirit. There's one concept you must give That's the con- and live. That's the concept of inventory. How many fish is in your boat? What have you caught? What do you have in your life that demonstrates you've been with Him? What about it? Well, I'm a member of the Methodist. God bless you. I'm a member of the holiness. Praise God. Have you got blood on you? Have you got blood on you? I cut myself working in the yard yesterday. Diane said, I didn't even know what I had on the back of my arm. She said, you got blood all over your arm. I said, whoop. Hallelujah. That sounds like a little preach right there in the front yard. (laughs) Hallelujah to God. I'm glad it ain't just on my arm, honey. I'm glad to know there's some blood on my soul. I'm glad there's some blood in my heart. I'm glad to know that blood at Calvary made a difference in the blood that I have. And I'm glad to know I know the Lord. Is anybody here this morning glad with me? Hallelujah. Then there is the concept of the instruction that we take. What did Jesus say? Cast the net on the right side of the ship. He never shows you lack without giving you choice of fullness. And he told them. He said, have you caught anything? No. <laughs> they had a little, All of them had a little woman in them. Well, they come from one, you know. Tread and light, ain't it, Roger? Moving right along while we still got, thank God. You know why we take the offering at the first? Because you wouldn't get none at the last. <laughs> no. F.B. Meyer wrote a whole chapter on that one word, their attitude. They'd been sore. They'd been all out there all night long, wet, cantankerous, mad at each other. Done probably, if Peter cussed at the fire, he probably cussed on the boat. No. Well, then he said, let me give you a little instruction. You've been fishing in the wrong place. Cast your net on the other side. Now, let me ask you a question. God, God asked me this. God asked me this in study. What difference will 12 foot make? Them fishing boats, I understand. The best I can find out, with as diligent as I could be, I, I sought it out, looked it out, studied it out a little bit. The bottoms of them from one side to the other, though they were bowed out, the, at, the, at the farthest point out would average 12 feet, one side to the other. 
What I want to ask you this. If fish is on this side 12 feet and over here the net is, uh, <laughs> why can't a few of them swim over here and get in the net? Because the wrong person had the net. What difference is 12 feet going to make? Okay, I bet they just said, all right, we've been out all night fishing. We've been out there. Well, 12 feet will make a difference. Surely 12 feet will make a difference. We'll just thank you, Jesus, for telling us to throw it 12 feet. And so they throw it on the other side, and 153 10-pound bass swim right in the stupid net. I, I sound like I was fishing with them. The more I talk about this, the matter I'm getting. What was he trying to tell them that he knew more than they did? He was trying to tell them, you can't do it your way and come out frying bass. You can't win no tournament by yourself. You can't catch no fish by yourself. Cast your net on the other side. Twelve and 153 fish get in the net. In single file, standing on the tail, walking right into the net. Well, I can believe that as much as I can believe 12 foot's going to make a difference. What if you was at Clark Hill? Somebody rode by. <laughs> Y'all caught anything? You know how it is. No, not, not yet. Well, why don't you just fish on the other side of the boat? Why don't you get your narrow little on up the river? That's how it goes at Clark's Hill. Not at church, but that's how it goes at Clark's Hill. I've been up there a couple of times. They say everything but. You want to go to Sunday school with me? Why don't you just throw it on the other side? I'll catch you later. Got any, we got some minnows over here if y'all need them. They throw it on the other side and a hundred and 53. His instruction was for change. His instruction. He was showing them, you can't manipulate the system or the season. Do like I tell you and watch what happens. Twelve feet, the net goes over, and they got enough fish to, I mean, absolutely flabbergast anybody who's a fisherman. His whole operation was wrapped around change. And that's what Jesus wants out of us. Change. He wants us to repent and follow Him in this thing. And instruction will lead you to inspiration. Are you listening? Let me, let me move along. Same net, same boat, same lake, different God. The catch was also greater uh, when Jesus fished with them than when they fished without Him. Look at verse 9. Uh, give, me, give me verse 9, preacher, up there in the top, if you will. As soon as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid their own, and bread. Where'd Jesus get them fish? He already had fish. And they're out there trying to impress him on a fishing trip. And he's cooking what they ain't got none of. I was sitting there reading my Bible and the Holy Ghost said, Where did he get 
them there fish. That's how the Holy Ghost talked to you. He's southern. Where did he get them fish? He already had them. He said, well, what was they doing out there trying to catch what he already was frying? What are you trying to do to save yourself when Jesus already has your salvation this morning? He was already cooking what they couldn't catch. He's got what you need. You need to trade your net for some faith. You need to let your net down and dry it out and hang it up and, and think on this thing for just a minute and see, has God already got what I'm out there trying to find? It's in His frying pan. If you'll let Him work in your life on your behalf. Number three, let me make sure, let me make sure if I can that you get this first concept. The concept of inventory. Number two, the concept of, of instruction. Then notice the concept of invitation. Notice what he said in John uh, 1, uh, 12, I guess it is, through 17. He said this, Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. <laughs> I like this. And none of the disciples asked him, Who art thou? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them the fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. So when they had dined, Jesus goes on through that and asks him three times, Do you love me more than these? Number three, or the third concept, is the concept of invitation. And I want you to notice three things about that invitation. It was a revelation of who He was. It was a revelation of what He did. And it was a revelation of what He expected. Number one, it was a revelation of who He was. When they come to the, to the bank and smell the fish and saw the fish, it says, and they, none of them ask, is it you? They said, it is the Lord. They knew His capability. They knew Him from the past, His relativity. They knew His capability, and they knew it was the Lord. It was revealed to them in His invitation. Not only that, what He did, verses 15 to 17, notice what it says. And so they dined, and Jesus said to Simon Peter, Son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? And not only that, what He expected was also revealed in this, the invitation of the Lord Jesus. Let me, let me quit right there and allow you lunch. But let me remind you, if I can, that the invitation of God is a concept that they took. The fish was there, the bread was there, but nobody had fish sandwiches until they got hungry enough to move toward the pan. The invitation from Christ this morning is to come out of the soldier's compartment, come out of the soldier's area, come out of the couple's area, come out of the teen section, come out of the children's ministry, come out of your misery, come out of your emptiness, come out of your drunkenness, come out of all of it, and come to Jesus who is here saying, I will not turn you away or turn you out. 
Jesus revealed himself to Simon Peter. Let me ask you this. <laughs> when Simon Peter came to where Jesus was cooking those fish, what was Jesus using to cook the fish? What was, what was providing the heat? Fire. When was the last time Simon saw fire? He was cussing. God was showing him the corruption in his heart. He said, come and dine. It's all right, Simon. I have a fire to replace that other one. When was the next time Simon saw a fire? Pentecost. You know why? Have you ever wondered why it was like tongues of fire came in that room? And another tongue? And miracles and wonders. Do you ever wonder why there was fire leaping in the atmosphere of that room? It was God saying, Here's the, hey, that, let, me, let me see. I'll preach on this sometime. Here's the thought. Here is the fire of revelation. Peter's cussing and God's revealing who he really is. You come to the fire that we're preaching about this morning. Somebody give me something there. Here's the fire. Of relationship. Good. Relationship. Come and dine. The master calleth. Come and dine. What was this fire over here at Pentecost? Revival. Three fires in Old Simon. Write that down, son, so I don't forget that and make sure I go home with it. Thank God we'll run that one back through and see if she'll wash good. <laughs> what was that first one? The fire of what? Uh, revelation. He cussed. And God said, look at you. He come over here to the frying pan. There's the, the fire of relationship. And he came over here in the upper room. And notice every fire is escalating and getting hotter. And that last fire that he had in the upper room on the day of Pentecost was the fire that consumed Simon. And Simon did not have anything else to be revealed. He went from that place with a spirit to die for God. Jesus said, love, love us how many more than these? Yeah. Love us how many more than these? Yes. Love us how many more than these? What do you think these were, Becky? Love us how many more than these? He was pointing at fish. Because every time Simon got messed up, he wanted to go do what he was good at. Just like you and just like me. We'll always go back to our Ph.D., We'll go back to our capability instead of stepping out and getting fixed. And you're a good kid. But you'll fold up in a heartbeat and trust your emotions instead of your Savior. I'm going to preach on that tonight. Y'all come back. We'll run that one back through. I ain't got nothing else. He gave me that. So what are you going to do with it? Stand up with me all over the building. <laughs> Fires in Simon's life. Before we get to tonight, what if Jesus comes at 2.32? Don't come back here tonight and look for me to preach. Steve will have to run this meeting. <laughs> Steve said, I ain't going to be here either. Well, we're going to have to find somebody because if Jesus comes, we're going. But we won't. You know what's going to satisfy me? Nothing's going to satisfy me like everybody in here going with us.